Uh, this morning we're starting a new series, Real Life in a Real World, and we're going to be digging deep in the Psalms. Um, I think the last uh, 18 months, the Lord's uh, caused me to go back to the Psalms because we really get encouragement and, and, and spiritual sustenance. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but the Psalms has more than seven composers. Um, and does anyone know how many Psalms David wrote? There'll be a chocolate for the person who gets the right one. Anybody know? How many Psalms did David write? He wrote the most Psalms. Anybody know? Uh, sorry? 160? No, that's impossible. There are only 150 Psalms. Okay. There are obviously some we don't know about. Uh, David wrote 73 Psalms. Uh, and then Asaph wrote 12, the sons of Korah 10, uh, Solomon wrote Psalms, uh, Heman and Ethan, I've never heard of them. Uh, apparently they wrote some Psalms. Uh, and then there are 50 Psalms that uh, are anonymous and uh, uh, people believe that perhaps Ezra wrote some of them. Uh, across Psalms that covers 900 years of, of uh, history, uh, there are five books or collections and David wrote 37 of the 41 Psalms in, in book number one, or the first part of, of, of the, the uh, Psalms. Uh, this ancient hymn book covers everything from war to uh, worship. Not worship wars, by the way, but uh, worship and, and so on. And there's a real world part, and there's a, a spiritual part. Um, there's a horizontal part, uh, a people, and there's a God part, a vertical part. And, and certainly as we go through the Psalms, you, you really discover uh, the realities of life. But with that, you discover a, a deep, deep spiritual side to the Psalms. Um, it's really about uh, real living in a real world in the power of the Spirit. Isn't that great? Uh, we face life, but we do it in the power of the Spirit. Now, uh, certainly um, we find in the Psalms the reflections of the psalmist on life as they encountered it. And I know for most of us, that the past 18 months has really been hectic. Uh, we've had, many have felt the, the uh, uh, loneliness and the isolation, uh, losing loved ones, friends, colleagues. Uh, professionally, there have been changes. Lots of us are, are working from home, uh, and, and things have changed. Conditions have changed um, at work. Uh, sometimes we're even diff uh, uh, dealing with difficult people. Um, perhaps you're, coping, you're battling to cope as a parent, meeting deadlines on the one hand, making decisions, competing on wills. Uh, uh, endless lists of, of chores and so on. Um, maybe you're a student working online. You, you'd love to go back to university and enjoy the social life, uh, but you're just not getting uh, to that spot. Maybe it's the grind of finishing assignments and, and e-weeks and, and presentations. I know Timothy, he's in that spot this week. He's got a, a really busy uh, uh, next five days. And I know uh, last time he had that, uh, he didn't sleep for three days. Uh, they really just work and work and work. Maybe you're facing that, choosing electives, uh, cramming for exams and so on. Or, or, or maybe it's even maintaining your, your spiritual life. It can be a battle. Um, this year, uh, we had a, we've got a boil in our garden. We've got a lovely big garden. It's very green, but it needs lots and lots of water. And a few months ago, 
my bore well went down to a trickle and then stopped completely. And it was really worrying me because if you don't have a bore well, you don't have a garden. And uh, we got somebody in to fix it. And when they measured the, the depth of the borehole, it was 45 meters. And at 21 meters, they hit the water, which means there was lots and lots of water uh, to draw from. And certainly, the Psalms are a, a deep, deep well that we can draw on. Sometimes the way we draw doesn't work so well, but there's a deep, deep well. And, and certainly, the, the Psalms are full of timeless principles that have, be, uh, have stood the test of time. This is why it's in prayers we ask God to speak into our lives and as we start the series, which will carry on for the next few weeks. Let's bow heads in prayer. Father, we just thank you that we can come before your word. Lord, we know your word is true, it's powerful, it's inspirational, it, it guides us. And Father, as we begin to uh, delve into this well of the Psalms, Father, I pray that you'd speak into our very lives. Lord, you know that many of us have faced great challenges and, and, and discouragements over the past 18 months. But Lord, we know that there's a well there that we can draw on. And Father, I pray for our people. Lord, that we would indeed have the desire to grow in you and to plumb the depths of, of the Psalms. Father, we thank you for this word. And Lord, today we ask that you'd speak into our lives. We pray this all in your precious name. Amen. Will you turn your Bibles to the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, and I'm going to be reading from the ESV. The ESV, the heading is the way of the righteous and the wicked, and we're going to read the Psalm and have a look at it this morning. What is the first word? Blessed. Who wants to feel blessed? Blessed by God. I hope you're in that spot. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day by day. He's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in, in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. Isn't that, that comforting? That God knows exactly where you're at. Isn't that amazing? Verse 6, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Now, this ancient hymnal starts with one of life's greatest challenges, and that challenge is, is compromise. Now, we're not talking about compromise, that we all need uh, to live in peace and harmony. All of us have to give and take. Uh, I, I know during exam time, and uh, Christy's in matric, and... Uh, she just finished her prelims, and she's going on to write the finals in about two weeks' time. And, and Timothy's got his presentation week, and there's lots and lots of stress. So during those times, we give and take, and we don't expect them to, to do the dishes and, and, and other things. Uh, there's some give and take uh, to keep the peace and uh, the tension down. Um, all of us 
compromise to, to, some, others, uh, to some extent, so we won't be at each other's throats. Uh, we compromise because if we didn't, nations would be at, at war. Now, Psalm 1 is not talking about that sort of compromise. It's talking about compromise that attacks your moral fiber, erodes your, your values, squeezes your uh, uh, spiritual stature. It's like tentacles that, that wrap around you and suck out the, the joys and the rewards of, of obedience. Certainly it's uh, compromise is subtle. You, you hardly notice it's, it's, it's taking place. It's like a, a giant oak tree that's rotting from within and, and suddenly it, it comes down with, with an absolute crash. I don't know if you heard about the uh, little town in America. Um, they built uh, a, a, um, a fire station and, and a city hall in this small town. It was the, the pride, this, this, this red brick building was the pride of this little community, a, a long-awaited dream that had come true. But not long after they had moved into this, the, the structure, but strange things began to happen. First, the, the door wouldn't uh, open and close well, and then the, the windows wouldn't slide open e uh, easily. And after a, a few months, the cracks began to appear, ominous cracks in, in the wall. And a little while later, they, they couldn't even um, open and shut and, and lock the front door. The reason being, the foundation had uh, shifted, and then the roof began to leak. And this building that had once been the, the pride of this little community had to be condemned and pulled down. The culprit was deep underground coal mining, deep beneath the foundation, and the foundations began to, to sink. So it is with compromise. We, we hardly notice that it's happening. One rationalization turns to another. In a life that was once strong and stable and reliable begins to give way. Now, it's significant that the, the very first psalm, I was thinking about this, you know, why do we have this theme in the, in the very first psalm? And I really believe that the, the Holy Spirit is just so aware how, how dangerous compromise is in the, in, the, in the Christian, the believer's life. And the psalmist he he contrasts two ways to live in in verse one to three we have the, the godly life the life without compromise and the in verses four to six we have the ungodly life the life with compromise there's a there's a battle going on there's an erosion of of good intentions in our lives now it's very interesting if you go through the bible you you see this contrast two men Sinful and, and, and good. The first Adam and, and the last Adam. Cain and Abel. Ishmael and, and Isaac. David and Saul. And Bible history even ends off with a, 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 a contrast with, with Christ and the Antichrist. Two men, two ways, and eventually two destinies. Now I want you to think about your uh, priorities for a moment. Your family. Are you, are you compromising with your family? Maybe you, you're living past them. 
You know, many of us are working at home, but we're so busy, we just live right past our, our families. Maybe our careers, you, you're doing things you, you shouldn't be doing. Perhaps your, your spiritual life has, has taken a back seat, the, the other priorities, and you, you may be staying at home, or maybe you're not having your quiet time as you should be. Maybe even your, your life calling. You know, God hasn't just called the pastor and the elders. He's, every person has a, has a life calling from, from God. Is there compromise in your life where there shouldn't be, be compromise? Now, firstly, number one, we, we see the, the godly life in the first three verses. The, the psalmist describes the one who, who chooses to live the righteous who chooses to, to live the uncompromised life, the one who consciously resists the, the inroads of, of compromise. He sees the person who, yeah, we see the person who's wary of anything that will erode his, his godly commitment in his life. Now, as I mentioned earlier on, the, the psalm begins with that word, blessed. We certainly use this uh, uh, word in a, a lot of different life contexts. It's almost lost its meaning. Uh, sometimes people say, you know, I'm, I'm just feeling blessed. Or, or maybe you've got a dog and you're feeling blessed because you've got a dog or whatever it is. It's almost lost its meaning. But, but as we look at this, this Hebrew word, it has a, a very specific uh, meaning. And what it means is, oh, the happiness many times over. The CSV, it translates, how happy is the one? What causes such an abundance of happiness and, and, and joy? It is the uncompromising purity of a, a righteous, uncompromised walk with God. Can we say amen to that? It's the happiness of being right with, with God in a place where we, we should be. And as the... As the um, uh, psalmist uh, writes he, he has this spiritual erosion in mind that, that all of us face perhaps every day of our lives now the righteous man is known for what he avoids and the psalmist he, he uses three words walk and stand and, and sit first he, he avoids the, the pull of, of compromise that pull is, is uh, uh, subtle, it's insidious maybe it's with your quiet time at home you, you know you should be having a time with God and you, you're missing it, you're compromising because maybe you're busy maybe it's honesty at work or in your relationships and right there he does not walk in the, in the counsel of the wicked now the idea here in the, in the Hebrew is to uh, start compromising or, or imitating or, or flirting with the world. Maybe you're looking at all the fun that you think people are having and you as a Christian aren't having that fun. And it's really speaking about uh, beginning to follow the, the ways of the world. Now Christy, my daughter, she had um, a matric dance and, and we're very happy as parents because she's part of a group of uh, six students at Hatfield um, that are, are good Christian people, uh, young people, and their after party was going to one of the girls' houses and having an ice cream, and we're very happy with that. But we know there are lots of other kids who have the after party of the metric dance, and they get drunk and they do other things they shouldn't be doing, 
And what the psalmist is saying is we, we need to avoid this, this pull of, of, of compromise because all of us face it. Whether at work or with our friends or at home, whatever it is, there's this, there's this insidious pull to compromise our, our Christian values. And the first point that the psalmist makes is the righteous man avoids this pull. But second, he avoids the, not just the pull, but the, practice, the practices of, of compromise. He goes on, he does not stand in the path of, of sinners. Now, the idea here is to take a stand on a particular pathway, um, getting into the groove of, of, of compromise. In other words, something becomes a habit, whether it's dishonesty, maybe it's not going to church. We've, we've enjoyed being at home during COVID, and now it's open, and it's just too nice to, to stay in bed and have that coffee. And we, we, fall, we fall into that, that groove of not worshipping together as God's people. And you know what, what makes it worse when we get into this groove? We begin to say to ourselves that this is okay. All of us know there's this groove of dishonesty in South Africa in, in governance circles. And, and people are saying it's okay to, to take things that don't belong to myself. And then thirdly, the psalmist speaks about avoiding the position of compromise. He does not seat, sit in the seat of, of mockers. This word, or the idea here is to settle down uh, into a way of life. And it goes on and it says he does not sit in the seat of mockers. By this point, people are, are, are blaspheming God. They've, God is no longer in their frame of, of reference. In fact, they become critical of Christians who follow godly principles. As you reflect over the last 18 months, has your life changed? Since we started COVID in March last year, and you look back and you reflect what's happened in your life, have you begun to compromise? Have you perhaps got into the groove of not meeting with God's people to worship on a Sunday? Are you perhaps living past your family because you're under pressure with your work? Or has your life become more pleasing to God? Are you willing when you need to to, to take a stand for, for godly principles? As I read Psalm chapter 1, three people come to mind. Two of them, they flirted with evil and they fell. But then there was one who refused to, to walk in the counsel of the wicked. Remember uh, Samson? I'm sure if you've gone to Sunday school, you know the, the story of the sad story of uh, Samson, who got involved with Delilah, wasn't God's plan for his life. And perhaps one of the saddest parts of Scripture is where it says in, 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 in uh, in, in judges that the spirit of God had left him and he didn't even realize it now his life is best uh, described by Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 20 23 maybe turn in your Bibles Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 20 Proverbs 5 verses 20 to 25 and, and this proverb really just summarizes Samuel's life. Chapter 5, verse 20. Why be captivated, my son, by an adulteress? Or embrace the bosom of a stranger? 
For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And the Lord examines all his paths. The iniquities of a wicked man entrap him. The cords of his sin entangle him. He dies for lack of discipline. Led astray by his own great folly. Samson's life is certainly a tragedy and it began with one compromise after another. Then there's the second person I thought of is Lot, uh, Abraham's uh, nephew. And Genesis 13, 11, it re- records, So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set outward towards the east. The two men parted company. Lot began to walk in the way of the ungodly. Genesis 13, 12 to 13 explained, Abraham lived in the, in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived amongst the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. He came and he took his stand amongst sinners. And then if you go forward to Genesis chapter 19 and verse 1, it says the following. Two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening. And the other key words, and Lot was sitting in the gates the gateway of the city, now they, they did business, they had the discussions at the gateway. He was sitting in the gateway of the city. When they saw him, he got up to meet them and bowed down with his face to the ground. What a tragic story. Uh, he moved to Solomon and Gomorrah, and before you know it, he was one of the people. Now he lived among them, and his dwelling was at the seat of scoffers. These people were the most ungodly people of their time, they were wicked. That's what compromise does. It, you start off well, and you just go down, down, down the stairs. Uh, how tragic. How different was Joseph, who refused to, to compromise with evil, even when part of his wife continued to, to entice him. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 39, and I'll read from verse 1. Genesis 39 and verse 1. Here's an amazing story of somebody who refused to compromise. Genesis 39 and verse 1. Meanwhile, Joseph, who had been taken down to Egypt, when an Egyptian made Potiphar an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard, brought him from the Ishmaelites who were taking him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, serving in the household of, an Egyptian, of his Egyptian master. When his master saw the Lord was with him and made him prosper in all he did, Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household and entrusted him with everything he owned. From the time that he put Joseph in charge of his household and all he owned, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's household on account of him. The Lord's blessing was in everything he owned, both in his house and in his field. So Potiphar left all he owned in Joseph's care and did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after some time his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and said, Sleep with me. But he refused. Look, he said to his master's wife, With me here my master does not concern himself with anything in his house, and he has entrusted everything he owns to my care. No one in his house is greater than I am. He has withhold nothing from me except you, 
because you are his wife. So how could I do such a great evil and sin against God? Although Potiphar's wife spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be near her. One day, however, Joseph went into the house to attend to his work, and not a single household servant was inside. She grabbed Joseph by his cloak and said, Sleep with me. But leaving his cloak in her hand, he escaped and ran outside. Now, how different is that? Uh, Joseph refused to, to compromise, and he fled. And as we've seen, the righteous man is known for what he avoids. He avoids the pull of compromise. He avoids the, the practices of compromise. He avoids the, the position of, of compromise. He's known for what he avoids, but he's also known for what he follows. And if you read the text, it says there, but, and the, the psalmist gives us a, a picture of a, of a tree. The first thing we see is that the righteous man, the, the uncompromised man, he takes root downward. Verse 2, but, and there's that big word, but, a contrast. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, the word, word of God. And in his law, he, he meditates day and night. In contrast to, to compromise, to, to spiritual erosion, the godly believer, he, he, occupies, he, he occupies himself with, with the law, the, the word of God. Now at home, one of my hobbies is to grow fruit trees. Um, and all over our garden, we've planted all sorts of trees, uh, peach trees, and uh, we've got a lemon tree, and oranges, and narches, and uh, lychees, and so on. And we just about filled our garden with uh, fruit trees, my great delight. And one of the things I've discovered is that you need the right time, uh, type of soil. You need to put manure in it and all these different uh, things that make the, the, the soil rich. Um, and friends, I want to say, we need, a Christian needs the right soil of the word. Why is it so important? If we're going to change that pathway of, of living, we need the standard, we, we need the direction of the word of God in our lives. How can a, a young man keep his way pure? Uh, Psalm 119 and verse 9 asks, what is it? Who can quote that? By guarding it according to your word. In Psalm 19, verses 7 to 11, we see the benefits of the word of God. The Lord, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making the, the wise simple. The precepts of the Lord are, are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is, is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. You see, the, the godly person is directed by God's word, 
Remember Romans chapter 12 and verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and prove what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. Friends, we, we need that word of God to direct our lives. Not only that, the godly person is delighted by God's word. The word of God is not a bind, it's not a burden, it's not an interruption to our day. Rather it says that the man of God, the righteous man, he he meditates, he thinks about the word day and night. And certainly delighting and meditating on the word go together. Psalm 119 verses 15 and, and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Psalm 40 verse 8. I delight to do your will, my God, and your instructions are deep within me. Friends, when we delight in God's word, in scripture, in the word of God, the reason being is that it's, it's been hidden in our hearts. And so we see that the, the righteous man, the, the uncompromising man, he, he takes root downward, but then he secures growth upward. Verse 3, he's like a tree planted by, by streams of water. You know, it's amazing what water can do, and I've seen it with my borehole. It's starting to dry up, and our garden was getting drier, and then we had it fixed, and uh, it's a long story, but we, we changed the feed of the, of the borehole, and before the diameter was quite narrow, and the people who fixed it put a new pipe in, and that thing was just squirting so much water, it was going over the wall. It was absolutely amazing. But you know, immediately we, we noticed a, a difference in the garden, and, and this year we've had the juiciest crop of uh, never-ending lemons. I, I now even eat lemons just as they are. Uh, my, my neighbor started, I gave my neighbor some lemons, and he just, uh, the wife, she just ate the lemon as it is. It was so amazing how juicy and sweet, almost sweet, not quite sweet. Um, but it was absolutely amazing what, what water can do. Now, water is, is a picture of, of thirst for God, Remember Psalm 42 and, and, and verse 1 to 2. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God. You see, as we thirst for God, we, we grow upward. We take root downward. We, we secure f- uh, growth upward. And, and then we bear fruit outward. In verse 1, we had the promise of blessing. In verse 2, we had the means of securing the blessing, the the word of God. And and then in verse 3, we have the the outcome of receiving it. Verse 3, he's like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he, what's the word? He prospers. Rather than doing something as a result of taking root, down, uh, 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 taking root downward, we become something. God doesn't call us to do something. He, he makes us into something new. And yeah, we, we see the fruit. We are planted. We, we're fortified. We're stable. We're rooted. We're solid. We're strong. We're unwavering. We are planted in the word. 
We're fruitful. Not only is this person blessed, but he, he becomes a blessing to other people. You see, you can't be what you're not. Planted, fruitful, and then unwithered. Even during times of, of drought and difficulty, the tree-like soul is undaunted. And then that last word, prosperous, it's not talking about money. Rather, what the psalmist is talking about is that the righteous person fulfills the, the, the goals that, that God has designed for his or her life. Friends, I want to say this morning that, that God has a, has a goal for your life. He, he wants to use you. And when you're rooted in the word, you become prosperous. You become what, what God wants you to be. I think it was Sundal, he said the following, The roots grow deep when the winds are strong. Isn't that true? As we root in God's word, that wind and storm may come. But you know the tree doesn't fall over. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 to 8. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. Who trusts in the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. And does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. And he's not anxious in the year of drought, for he does not cease to bear fruit. Christian, have, have you become anxious during times of, of drought and, and times of problems and issues and dryness and discomfort? We need to go deep with those roots. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for he does not cease to bear fruit. Isn't that incredible? When we face tough times, we can still bear fruit. May I encourage you to maintain a, a pure, uncompromising walk. Delight in, in God's word and, and you will grow into a strong, stable, reliable, spiritual tree. I want to say this morning, there, there are no shortcuts to, to spirituality. You, you've got to get stuck into the Word of God. May I ask you this morning, how are you cultivating your, your spiritual life? Christian, how are you doing that? Verses 1 to 3, we have the godly life. And then the last three verses, just quickly, the, the ungodly life. It begins by saying, not so the wicked. And the psalmist points back to the, the first three verses. They are, the ungodly person is, is not blessed many times over. They do not delight and meditate upon the word of God. They are not like the tree who, who takes root downward and secures growth upward and bears fruit outward. The psalmist use, uses just one word to describe the ungodly life, and that is chaff. Unlike the righteous life, that life is completely worthless in the sense of spirituality. It blows around by the wind, 
Unlike the, the rooted, the firmly rooted, fruit-bearing tree, chaff simply blows away. And then after comparing these two lives, the psalmist then brings us the fate of those who reject the Lord. Verse 5, Therefore the wicked will not stand in judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. You see, the, the one who has never come to faith in the Lord and trusted Jesus alone for, for eternal life will never stand upright in the judgment of God nor be part of, of God's people. You see, what the, the point is, is that there's a difference in the destiny between the godly and the ungodly. How tragic it is, I, I meet many unbelievers who, are, who live upright lives who are committed people, who moral, who, who live healthy lives, even sacrificial and dedicated lives. But the tragedy is that they will not be among the eternal assembly of the righteous. You might ask this morning, well, Pastor, how can you say that? Well, well verse 6 says the following. For the Lord knows the ways of the righteous. Now, that, that's encouraging for Christians. Christian God knows exactly where you're at. He's watching over you. But that verse continues, but the way of the wicked will perish. Compromise. I think we all know the story of Eric Little, that famous film, Chariots of Fire, a man who refused to compromise for him, his standard was to, to worship God on a Sunday, and he was to run the 100 meters in the Olympics. I think it was 1924. The date might be wrong. Um, but he was going to run the 100 meters. And, and then he discovered that his, his race, that he was tipped to win, he was the best sprinter, the 100-meter sprinter in the world. That time was, was on, a, uh, uh, on a Sunday, and he refused to run in the race because for him, Sunday was a day of worship. And as it so happened... Uh, the 400 meters race, which was not his race. It wasn't a, 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 a mid-term uh, sprinter. But that race, somebody dropped out and he could run it. Uh, it wasn't his race. And he ran that race and God honored him. And he actually won that 400 meter race in the, in the, in the, in the Olympics. And he said, said the following after reflecting after uh, the Olympics. And he said the following. I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. When I run, I feel his pleasure. Friends, I ask you as we close this morning, are you feeling the, the pleasure of God in your life? Are you running to please God? Let's pray. Father, as we consider the very first psalm, and Lord, I believe you've placed it at the very front of, of all these psalms. Lord, as we come face to face with, with compromise, and Lord, each of us face compromising situations day in and day out, whether it be at home, in our, uh, with our families, or our spiritual life with our friends or, or at work when we're tempted to do things we shouldn't. Father, we thank you that you remind us 
what we need to avoid. Lord, remind us of our, our, our very eternal destiny. And Lord, as your spirit speaks to us this morning, Lord, won't you do your work? Father, won't you speak to us about our personal situation? Be it perhaps with our families, maybe we're living past them and we're missing our kids and our spouses. Lord, maybe it's our, our, our spiritual life and, and we, we're battling to have a, a quiet time in the morning and, and spend time with you. Father, maybe it's in, enjoying being at home and not being with the gathered church to, to worship. Lord, maybe it's with our friends, we've got compromising situations and being in relationships maybe we shouldn't be in. Father, maybe it's work and we've been tempted to, to have shortcuts or Lord, to, to do things that aren't right or maybe illegal. Father, I pray that your spirit now would speak into our lives. Friends, won't you just reflect for a moment where you're at in your life. And if you need to make right with God, won't you pray right now. Lord, I realize that my life isn't right with you. And Father, as I consider this very first song, Lord, you're speaking to my life and I'll ask you to overcome. Won't you name that thing right now and allow the, the Spirit of God to minister right into your situation and into your life. Father, as we bow before you, Lord, won't you cleanse us won't you direct us? Lord, won't you give us that, that earnest desire, that strength to, to follow your ways? Father, we thank you that your spirit is the after-counselor. Won't you continue to minister to us? We pray this all in your precious name. Amen.